Good morning and a very warm welcome to our podcast and phone service for today, Sunday the 4th of June. It's Pentecost Sunday, but our recording comes from last week in Drung on the 29th of May, where we were looking at who is in control of the world from Revelation chapter 4. So I'll hand over to that service now and join you again at the end for the announcements. Very warm welcome to Drung Church this morning for this service of morning prayer on this beautiful day. It's great to be able to gather together and worship our Lord. And we're reading Revelation chapter 4 today, which ends with these words, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. God is worthy, and we're going to sing his praise now, number 362, O God, Beyond all praising, we worship you today. Please do be seated. And in a moment we'll look at uh, Revelation chapter 4. But first of all, our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah has a vision uh, into heaven as well. And he's concerned about his mouth after seeing the holiness of God. Maybe it's things he's said or uh, words he hasn't said that he should have said. And children, I'd like you to count how many times you hear the word lips. Isaiah talks about his lips. How many times do you hear the word lips? Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 7, page 571 in the Church Bibles. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many times did you hear the word lips? How many? How many was it? Three times. Three times we heard the word lips. When Isaiah saw the holiness of God, he realised his lips were unclean. And for each of us today, maybe there's things we've thought or said or done, things we've in thought or word or deed, as we'll say in our confession. Uh, maybe it's things we haven't said. Our lips should declare God's praise, as we'll say in a minute, but maybe we haven't. And so we're going to say sorry to God using the words of the confession on page one of the service card. So together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name. Amen. Well, Isaiah was told that the burning coal had taken away his uncleanness, his sin atoned for. And that points us forward to the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus where our sin can be atoned for. And so I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we join together in the words of the, the Lord's Prayer that you can see in the service card on page 4. And in this prayer, we, we recognise our need of him. We're praying for our daily bread and asking for his help. So let's join together as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, 
forever and ever. Amen. We continue in prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful weather. Thank you for all those who've managed to get their silage cut or some of it cut. Thank you for uh, the week we've had. Thank you for the Mother's Union Festival service. Thank you for all who came and the great tea we enjoyed together. Thank you for the challenge we heard to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And please help us to remember the challenges we heard and to pay careful attention to your word. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as there's lots to thank you for, we're also reminded this week of the brokenness of creation. This week we've seen the terrible shootings in Texas at Robb Elementary School, where 19 children were killed and two teachers. We pray for parents who've lost children, brothers or sisters who've lost a sibling, grandparents who've lost a grandchild, aunties and uncles who've lost a nephew or a niece, those at the school who've lost friends. Please would you help them? Uh, Lord, we can only imagine what it would feel like and we pray you'd be merciful. Pray also for the families of the teachers, those who've lost a parent, and especially for the teacher whose husband died from a heart attack as well following this shocking event. And we ask you be with their four children left without parents. May they know you as king in heaven, greater than them all. Please meet all of their needs and comfort them in their distress. Please help the school community as they try to rebuild. Please help them as they deal with fear and anxiety and pain. Please would they know that you're the God of all comfort and please give them your peace that passes understanding. Lord, in your mercy. And we also continue to pray for the country of Ukraine. Perhaps less in the news, but still very much uh, devastating. We pray for those who've lost loved ones and haven't had the chance to have a proper funeral. For those who are cut off from loved ones, please comfort them and help them. We pray for the safety of those who've had to be taken as prisoners of war. We pray for the defeat of Putin, that you would drive him out of Ukraine and give Ukraine victory and peace. Please help those who are farming. We pray that the grain would be able to get out of the country and pray that you may, even among the war, give them a harvest this year. We pray for wisdom and unity among the European Union and among world leaders in the response to this war. And we pray in this difficult time many would turn to you, Lord, in your mercy. We pray for those who are being confirmed this Sunday. Look down, O Lord, in your fatherly goodness on those who are preparing for confirmation. May they turn to your Son, Jesus Christ, in simple repentance, faith and surrender. Grant that what they secretly possess, they may openly profess with sincerity and boldness, so that having received your Holy Spirit in their hearts by the hearing of faith, they may receive through the bishop's hands an assurance of your acceptance and blessing and go forth strengthened by your grace to serve you 
in the fellowship of your church. Lord, in your mercy. We also pray for young people facing exams. Please would you help them to revise and not to be anxious. Please give them your peace that passes understanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for any others suffering in any way at the moment. And those known to us and those known only to you. We pray for Jackie Crow today and pray you'd be near to him. We pray for Anne, that you'd be near to her. We pray for Liam Briardy. Thank you for his treatment this week. And we do pray that would be successful. Please grant him healing and give him strength. We pray for Olive Simmons and for Lucy Roberts. We pray for Lucy's continued healing and that the treatment would be effective. We pray for David Riley's full recovery and for Maria Turnan and for Abby McDowell. We remember also this week the family and friends of Edie Stuttard as we have the funeral tomorrow. Please comfort all those who are grieving. And in a moment of quiet, any others we know suffering in any way or grieving at this time. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray you'd give healing to those who are sick, peace to those who are troubled in mind, and comfort to those who are grieving. Lord, in your mercy. And the collect for this Sunday. Special prayer for this Sunday. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Mercifully give us faith to know that as he promised, he abides with us on earth to the end of time, who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We close our prayers by joining together in the first collect for morning prayer, which you can see in the service card on page five. Together we pray. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us in all assaults of our enemies that we, surely trusting in your protection, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And you might like to turn to Revelation chapter 4 as they're heading out. Uh, you can find it in the church Bibles or on the service sheet. Revelation 4 verse 1 to 11. After this I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. 
and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives for ever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives for ever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you've uh, momentarily gone up to heaven in that vision, do come back down, and we're going to declare our faith together in the words of the Creed on page three. Let's stand and declare our faith together. Together we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please do be seated as we turn back to Revelation chapter 4, and let's pray for God's help. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for this vision that you gave to the Apostle John, and we pray that you would reassure us this morning that you are in control of your world. And may our response be that of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, who is in control of this world? Do you ever wonder that as things seem to spiral out of control? Maybe you ask the question, is anyone in control? If you're living in Ukraine or you're from Ukraine, you may fear that Putin is in control. It certainly looks like that as he's disrupted so many lives. If you're in Afghanistan, you would probably fear that the Taliban are in control. If you were in Texas this week, at least for a time, it looked like 18-year-old Salvador Ramos was in control as he brutally murdered 19 schoolchildren aged 7 to 10 and two teachers. It was absolutely devastating. And as people campaign for a change in the gun laws, it will probably seem like the gun lobby are in charge. Who is in control of this world? 
Sometimes it's hard to know, isn't it? And maybe closer to home, as fuel and fertilizer and feed prices go up, you're tempted to ask a similar question. Who is in control? Is there anyone? Sometimes it seems like disease or disability or cancer are ruling. Imagine for a moment then that you're in a dark room and you can barely see anything. But there's a slight crack in the shutters and there's a bit of light coming through it. It's enough light for you to make your way past the shadowy objects in the room to that beam of light. And as your eyes meet the beam, everything changes. Suddenly you're transported from that dark room millions of miles away to the sun, burning with fierce splendour. And the brilliance of that light makes the room around you almost invisible. If you then turned around and looked at the room, you wouldn't really be able to see anything. You've seen another reality. And in Revelation chapter 4, John the Apostle has that sort of experience and he shares it with us. In many ways, the Apostle John was in a very dark place as he wrote these words. He may literally have been in a dark place. He was in prison. I don't know if it was a, a dungeon, but it was probably a dark place. And not only that, he had seen his friends murdered, his Christian friends murdered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And there he is. It looks like the emperor is in control, controlling John's movements, ending his friends' lives. But then John follows a glimmer of light from his dark cell all the way up into heaven. And this vision helps him to make sense of what has happened and what will happen. It gives him a different reality. In the coming chapters in Revelation, we're going to see some very hard things. And so, like John, we need this vision at this point to show us who's in control, the one who's on the throne. So I invite you this morning on a journey out of the darkness, out of the dark room, up to the glory of heaven to see what is really going on. John sees a door open in heaven, which means in the book of Revelation something is about to be revealed. He hears a voice like the voice of a trumpet. And you'll remember from chapter 1, that's the powerful voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking and John is invited to come and see what must take place. Do you see verse 1? Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. This is a vision. John is still in the cell but he's seeing a vision. And notice what a vision it is. Chapter 4 verse 1, it's a vision of what must take place after this. Now, when you and I use the word must, it has a range of meanings. If, if I say I really must wash the car, I mean, well, I, I, I know I ought to, but I probably won't get round to it until the NCT is due. But when Jesus uses the word must, it means, no, this has to happen. It's a bit like in, in Mark chapter 8, when Jesus says that he must go to Jerusalem where he will be handed over to the chief priests and the leaders and he must die and rise again on the third day. What Jesus says must happen actually happens. 
And so when Jesus says this must happen, it means there's someone in control of history. It's not random. It is heading somewhere. How do we know? Well, look what John sees next in verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven. A throne, a place where someone rules from. And this word throne comes up 55 times in the New Testament. 43 times of those are in this book of Revelation. And 12 of those are in this chapter. It's an important thing that John sees. That word throne kept coming up over and over. It's where someone rules from. It's a bit like if you're a farmer and you've a a tractor. You rule the tractor from the tractor seat. When you're in that tractor, you can make it do amazing things. But the important thing is not the tractor seat, but that you're sitting in it. For if I was to sit in your tractor seat, well, I might not get it going in the first place, but if I did, it might be a disaster. But what about this throne in heaven? The important thing is not the throne, but who is on it? Is anyone on it? Is there anyone in control? And that brings us back to that question. Is there anyone in control? We'll have a look at the relief at the end of verse 2. There is someone. There's a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. There is someone on the throne. But what is he like? John has seen his friends killed and he's suffering in prison. It may be a relief that there's someone on the throne, but only if they're good. It will be a relief if there's someone in control, but only if they're good. And the one in control, wonderfully, as we see in these verses, is unparalleled in beauty and splendor and he's gloriously good. John can breathe again. It's a bit like when your car breaks down and then you get it fixed. There's relief. We'll hear how much more as John sees there's someone on the throne and he's good. How good is he? Well, look at, look at how he's described in verse 3. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Jasper and carnelian are precious stones that are used in in the Old Testament, and they're used to show something of the glory of God. And around the throne is a rainbow. Rainbows are glorious, aren't they? When you see a rainbow, there's the the black clouds normally, and then the rainbow stands out from them. Uh, And Dorothy's told me, uh, maybe you know this, they're actually full circles. And I keep saying, no, 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 look look at it. It's only a a, semicircle. Uh, Don't be silly. But I had to Google it, and it turns out that she was right. They are full circles, rainbows. Uh, If you're in an aeroplane, you might see one. Uh, Someone was telling me earlier that they'd seen one from a hill. It's just the horizon gets in the way, so we only see the semicircle. But here... It's a full circle. It's around the throne. This rainbow is around the throne. It has the appearance of an emerald. It is glorious. And like with most things in the book of Revelation, the way to understand them is from the Old Testament. And what does the rainbow remind you of in the Old Testament? It reminds us of the great flood. What do you think of when you think of Noah? We tend to remember a nice picture lovely big boat and lots of cute animals smiling on it. But what was the reality? 
The reality was God judging the world. He was judging the world because, as Genesis 6 tells us, the wickedness of man was great and every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Remember, Noah warned people God's judgment was coming, but they laughed and they scoffed and then one day it was too late. The rainbow reminds us as we see this glorious rainbow around the throne that God has acted in the past to judge the whole world. And in the coming chapters, John will see that God will judge the world again, that every wrong will be punished. And I wonder if you know that that is actually a good thing. Isn't that a good thing as we see what happened in Texas this week? To know that evil will be punished. Can you imagine if God just said to the the, the boy Salvador that did it? Ah, it's all right, we all make mistakes. No, it is right, isn't it, that evil is punished. It is right that Putin will be held to account. Every wrong will be punished and each of us will face God's judgment. But the rainbow also reminds us that there's mercy available. Because God has provided a place of safety from his judgment. In Noah's day, the only place of safety was in the ark. In the coming judgment, the only place of safety is in Jesus Christ. And as we saw last week, to all who will open the door to Jesus Christ, as he stands at the door and knocks, to anyone who opens the door, he will come in. He will cover our shame. And we will be safe on that day. Well, the rainbow around the the throne reminds us of God's goodness, his good judgment and his mercy. And around the throne are the 24 elders. And again, in Revelation, remember the numbers represent something. So 24 is 12 plus 12, which is all of the Old Testament tribes, 12 tribes, and all of the New Testament apostles representing God's people in the New Testament. And so these 24 elders, it's shorthand for saying the people of God. Uh, Probably these 24 elders are, are, are angelic beings of some sort, representing the people of God. And they show that the people of God's sin has been covered because they're clothed in white. And they show what's going to happen for the people of God, that they're going to rule with with Christ. They're on thrones with crowns. What an encouragement to John. There he is, his life. Looks like it's been taken away from him. He's in a dungeon. He's locked in a cell. He's lost his friends. They've been murdered. But look at the future clothed in white, ruling with Christ over the new creation. Not one of Christ's people missing. What an encouragement to the church facing such difficult times as we saw in the, in the opening chapters of Revelation to keep going. But the focus is not on the elders, but on the one who is on the throne that they're surrounding. The one who's on the throne is awesome. Look what comes from the throne in verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Again, the Old Testament would help us with this imagery. Mount Sinai, do you remember when God gave the Ten Commandments? There were flashes of lightning, rumblings of thunder. And people could not even touch the mountain 
or they would die. Such is the holiness and awesomeness of God. You cannot enter his presence casually or without your sin dealt with, for he would consume you. Also before the throne is a sea of glass. And the sea in the book of Revelation normally represents chaos and evil, but here it's calm, it's like glass, which means no evil can come into his presence. There is a throne in heaven, and the one on the throne is gloriously good. Well, how about when you wake up tomorrow morning, you think about this? Monday mornings can be hard, can't they? Maybe I find I have to wake up a bit depressed, tired, weary, burdened. Maybe you're anxious when you wake up on a Monday morning. Would you allow the light of this chapter to penetrate, to enter into the darkness and allow yourself to be transported along the beam into the glory of heaven to see the reality that God is good and he's on the throne? When you feel life is pointless, would you remind yourself God is on the throne and is gloriously good and that we're heading somewhere? When you see this heavenly reality, it helps you to face today whatever you're facing. I think that's why Revelation 4 is, is here, because it's to help orient John and his readers. There's terrible stuff coming in chapters five, well, chapter 6 onwards. There is terrible judgment coming. And so John and his readers and us, as we live in the world today, need to know that there is someone on the throne who is gloriously good, as we see awful things happening, as we experience awful things, to know that there's one on the throne who is ruling and is gloriously good. That he's still in charge. He has not lost control. And he's worthy of our worship. Which is where the chapter and we will end today. It ends with worship. The four living beasts before the throne. These represent the best of creation. You've got the most powerful domestic and wild animal, the, the, the lion, the most powerful wild animal, and the ox, the most powerful domesticated animal. The wisest of creation, the peak of creation, the humanity, the living creature with the face of a man, and then there's the swiftest bird, most uh, majestic bird there, the eagle, the fourth living creature. These animals are used, aren't they, by countries. You think of uh, America uses the eagle, doesn't it, as, as its symbol of strength and independence. England uses the lion. I think Finland uses it as well. The bull, the ox, is used of, uh, to represent a strong financial market. But here, in the heavenly reality, these mighty creatures are angelic beings. They're not proclaiming the might of any earthly power but of heaven's king. These mighty creatures call on everyone to worship the gloriously good God who's on his throne and who reigns, I don't know if you, you, you would, would have spotted it as it was read, he reigns for how long? It's forever and ever. Forever and ever. This is glorious. God is worthy of worship all of the time. Whenever they declare the splendor of God, the elders around the representing all God's people bow down in worship. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power.
for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Well, here then is a challenge for tomorrow morning. Picture yourself when you wake up tomorrow morning. What, what is it like? How do you feel when you wake up? Where do, where do your thoughts go and what do you do straight away? But before you even do that thing, could you just take a moment to pause? Imagine yourself there tomorrow morning, the alarm's gone off, and maybe the panic starts or the stress starts or the anxiety starts. Would you allow yourself to pause and look up to heaven? to see this reality of the one who is on the throne and ruling, who is gloriously good. Would you remind yourself of the rainbow that is around the throne, that speaks of his judgment, that he will put right every wrong, that he is a just God. And maybe as you think of that, it makes you, you fearful, but actually you remind yourself then that he's merciful. And just as uh, with Noah there was a place of safety, so for us, there is a place of safety in the Lord Jesus, the one who, as we saw last week, stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone opens the door to him, he will come in and eat with them and clothe us from our shame. So would you then enjoy knowing the one who is gloriously good and on the throne, reigning? I'm going to try and do that tomorrow morning. I, I think it will help. I think it will help. Let's pray that it would. Let's close with prayer. Lord God, thank you for this heavenly reality, this vision that John saw of you on the throne ruling. Please, would you keep this vision in our mind all of the time, but especially when we face difficult times, when we're wondering what's going on. Are you in control? And we might not understand all the answers, but this vision, may it help us to know that you are reigning and you're gloriously good. May we trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our final hymn is one that reminds us of this uh, wonderful vision John saw. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Let's uh, stand to sing and join in the worship around the throne.
Well, as we remain standing, we'll pray in response to the offertory. I'll say, all things come of you, O Lord, and please respond, and of your own have we given you. All things come of you, O Lord, and of your own have we given you. And so we thank you, Heavenly Father, that all things do come from you, that you are the creator of all things, and that you're still in control. Please help us to trust you this day and always. And we close with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Well, let me just update you with the announcements for uh, this week. Uh, we've got our Bible study on Wednesday night at 8.30 and In Touch is happening this week at 3.30 on Thursday, 3.30 till 5 on Thursday. Uh, so hopefully see you soon. Um, God bless and thank you very much for, for listening on the podcast or the phone service. Bye-bye.